Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Business Growth Podcast brought to you by ANZ, a new series for Australian businesses with me, Rachel Newman. Just like ANZ, I'm passionate about helping Australian businesses grow, and I love hearing stories about business success. I'm looking forward to spending time with some real Australian entrepreneurs discussing just how to grow a business in a sustainable, long-term way. These podcasts have been inspired by ANZ's work with the Australian Centre for Business Growth at the University of South Australia and by the amazing entrepreneurs we'll be chatting with in this series. So, a little about me. I'm an advisor and consultant to a variety of startups and I mentor with the Startmate Accelerator program. I'm also a director on the board of Startup Oz, where we believe that technology and entrepreneurship changes lives for the better. And so we work to influence policy and make Australia the best place in the world to launch and grow a business. But enough about me. Let's talk growth. Today's topic is stages of growth that a business goes through. And I'm delighted to be joined by entrepreneur and business leader Jane Martino to learn about her experiences launching and nurturing a business from idea to launch all the way through to sale and just how Jane has navigated the challenges that come with growth. Jane? Welcome to the ANZ Growth Podcast. Thanks for having me. Now, Jane, tell us a little bit about your business journey and achievements. You've grown and sold two companies. You're now COO of a very exciting high-growth startup, Unlocked. Tell us a little bit about your journey so far. Well, I started my first business when I was 25, which was a marketing communications business called Undertow Media, and then quickly moved into technology And I started a not-for-profit called Smiling Mind, which is a mindfulness program um, for young people predominantly that's now in thousands of schools across the country um, and used regularly by about 2 million people. So that got me excited and interested in technology. And I realised that I could build a platform, raise capital and actually take a technology, you know, into market. And that's what I did with Shout for Good, which was acquired then by the ANZ Bank. And I enjoyed time in at ANZ actually transitioning that business into the broader bank uh, and to its customers. And as you said, most recently, I'm now Chief Operating Officer at Unlocked, which is probably one of Australia's fastest growing technology companies. Um, We're a global company and we've raised over 50 million of, of private capital. And I'm loving the experience of not only growing a, a really innovative technology company, but but on a global scale out of Australia. Amazing. And I'm sure there's so much richness of both experience and stories that you've had in, in experiencing the various growth stages in all of those businesses. So now, growing a business is a goal for many entrepreneurs, but it's so common to see business owners dive right in without actually considering what growth looks like or even how they'll measure success. So knowing what to expect when growing a business is integral. Talk to me a bit about kind of what to expect when you're expecting in the business world and whether your expectations early on actually turned out to be how things played out in the end. Well, it's a very different journey for me across each business, but there's definitely a running theme around growth um, and the planning for growth. Uh, And I think I can give examples across each business, but definitely the most powerful thing you can do as an entrepreneur is to plan. And that sounds really, I know that doesn't sound really entrepreneurial and particularly innovative, but you've got to remember, I guess, that it's the idea and the concept uh, and all of the things you put around building that and the brand and your passion and your team, um, which make that 
innovative. But what actually helps you with growth alongside that is a really, really pointed plan. And working that to really significant milestones, asking yourself, your immediate team and the board, what does success look like? And really, I guess, earmarking certain timelines, whether that's, you know, three, six, 12 months initially for an early stage business, what does success at each of those key milestones look like? And then determining and deciding on that, and then I guess operationalizing that. So chunking that down into those quarterly plans and the ways that you can track, not just financially, but also in terms of, you know, growth of footprint, number of users or whatever the metrics might be, breaking that down into really easy to understand, easy to target and track metrics where you can actually say, yes, this quarter we have been successful or no, we're not actually tracking to that why and asking yourself the tough questions as quickly as possible. So I guess there's the planning, but then there's also off the back of that, really looking at the data and measuring it up against that plan and then acting on it. There's so much in that answer that I want to dig into, but the first thing I want to pick up is this point that you make around chunking it down into three or six month plans. I think traditionally when people sit down to write a business plan, they're looking at kind of a five-year plan. And now with a high growth business, if that's your aspiration, it's really hard to predict what the future is going to look like even 12 months out, let alone five years. So talk to me about uh, in high growth businesses, like the ones that you have started and led, um, what really is the right time threshold uh, to plan around? So this is a really interesting question. I was just mentoring someone on this exact point yesterday because they were talking to me about a CEO and founder that had a really big vision. And the importance of a big vision for high growth is essential. It's one of the number one things that we all need because we need that vision and that to run to and to run towards and to believe in. But then I guess what needs to come out from that are achievable um, timelines within it. So, for instance, at Unlocked, we have a huge vision. <laughs> it's, it's already in two years a global business across six different markets and we've raised a really big amount of capital, particularly within the Australian market. But what we need to do is make sure we deliver on the vision to forever change the way people use and pay with their mobile phones. Now, that's a huge overarching vision. Like, how do we even put that into, you know, into a plan? But we do. And and the timescale that we do that um, is 12 months out maximum. So we know as a business what we want to achieve in five years, which is to be in as many markets as possible and, you know, turning over and delivering back to customers value of X amount. So we do put dollars to that. But then as a business, we run quarterly uh, targets and KPIs across every single department. And we report back to those um, in two ways as a business. Um, we do a weekly what we call dashboard, which has the metrics across each department and how we're tracking to the quarterly target. And that's delivered to CEO and board on a weekly basis and also delivered to our whole company globally the following day. So we all have a line of sight over that week to 
week how we're all tracking and across each other's departments so we can hold each other accountable. Then we also track results monthly to those KPIs as a group. Um, And as soon as there's an end of month period, then the next week we report back in addition to that weekly dashboard on the more general KPIs we've got to those quarterly targets. So we're pretty... um, And we're really religious with the cadence in which we do that. So even though the vision is really big, this is the first product of its nature ever to come to market. We never want to get caught up in that, which I hear a lot and and we're all guilty of it as entrepreneurs and people with big visions. This is new. So we don't know what to expect. We don't know what the metrics are. it's, It's really, it can be challenging pulling something new down to a set of metrics. But if you don't at least try try and you can pivot and change and adjust those as you go, um, you know, three or six months in and take that back to the business um, and refine it. But you've got to start somewhere. It sounds like that discipline is so important at Unlocked and uh, in order to manage, you know, achieving these very big, ambitious goals that you have. Stepping back a bit, how do you balance the energy with your team members, especially the junior members, where you have, you know, very short-term tactical goals, but you're also trying to get them to buy into the bigger vision. How do you balance that from a leadership and um, inspirational perspective? I think one of the big components of that is exposure to our CEO um, and a regular I guess, spot that he has on our global town hall calls. So we do those on a monthly basis and they are always um, him reporting back on a big, hairy, audacious goal and, and the things that are more vision related. So I guess I'm the <laughs> I'm I'm the potentially boring one in the background that probably gets more tactical and practical. Um, and we make sure that always within that people still have a relevant and regular touch point with the vision and that, you know, what I guess what Matt's really good at as CEO is tying that back to the why. Why are we being tactical? Why are we, you know, really focusing on these key metrics? And then when he's out in market talking to, you know, some of the joint venture partners and the people that we're doing business with, this is what their feedback is on our results. This is what their feedback is on our product, you know, and making giving that sense of reality and that feedback from market and bringing it back to the team, that really helps. And the other thing is, in that monthly town hall call, we also always, uh, we do two other things. One is we do a segment called A Day in the Life Of, and that gives five minutes, you know, to someone anywhere across the business to explain what their life's like day to day and give people insight into, you know, why they're there and, and the contribution that they make. And then we also do another spot that gives um, an individual I guess, a chance to talk about our values. So on this morning's town hall call, we talked about courage and we had one of our um, key people who's been with the business from the start talk about what courage means to him, where he sees it displayed in the business. So I guess we always make sure that across our vision and values um, and people and culture that we're bringing to the surface, even within the busyness and and that really, you know, high pressure environment, the why. 
If you want to learn more about how to grow a business, head on over to anz.com forward slash business growth, where you can find the free online business growth program. It provides business leaders with the knowledge and skills needed to grow a business sustainably, including how to choose the right growth strategy and the different responsibilities of a leader during growth. It's a rich resource put together by the ANZ Bank and the Center for Business Growth at the University of South Australia. ANZ has worked with global growth expert, Dr. Jana Matthews at the university. It really is a great resource and you might even find more episodes of this very podcast. So it's definitely worth a visit at anz.com forward slash business growth. I want to shift gears and talk about the life cycle of growth in four basic phases. So there are lots of different frameworks we can use to kind of chunk up growth, but one of the frameworks that we use is looking at the startup phase, the initial growth, then rapid growth, and then kind of that continuous operations and continuous growth, but maybe not at the same uh, accelerated stage as the one before. Based on your experience in the various entities that you've launched and run, what are some of the characteristics that define each phase? So I'd say for startup growth, uh, the number one thing I'd say there is there's so much uncertainty and change, constant change and and evolution, and sometimes pivoting. You know, if you like I said before, if you've got certain metrics or things that you're expecting in the business and they're just not happening, ask the tough questions quickly, ask the why, and then change. So the the typical components of that first startup phase have to be the few people that you have around you as you're building that initial team need to be very agile and flexible and they need to be super resilient. Uh, and I guess one of the errors I've I've made in, you know, a couple of the different businesses I've had is I've attempted to fill my gaps um, with people that haven't necessarily been in an early stage business or experienced that startup phase because I think a strong, steady hand of someone in an established business is important. And it certainly is, but just as important in that phase is actually having someone senior who hasn't done, who has done, sorry, someone senior who has done that before in a business at that same stage. Um, So fill your gaps with people with experience in a business in that phase, because in my opinion, it's one of the hardest phases out of all four mm. and the most challenging um, emotionally and and physically. I want to pick up on the emotional challenge. I heard you say that it's so important to have resilience, especially in this phase. Um, resilience is something we hear a lot about, but what does that actually mean in that initial startup or initial growth phase? And is that something that is innate or something that can be learned and taught? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I think I've changed my view on that a lot over the years. Resilience is, there's so many different ways people define resilience, but resilience in a startup, particularly in that startup phase, to me is tenacity beyond belief. So the ability to actually just not take no for an answer. And by that, I mean, it. you will constantly come up against no. And that's okay. But you need to find another way to get the same answer, even if you go around or totally tip on its head 
the what you'd plan to do, you have to get to yes. And there's certain people where that is innate, um, where they have displayed that in other areas of their life. And the one bit of advice that I would give is when you're looking to hire, I often ask people about what else they've been involved in or done outside of work that will give me a really good steer on how relentless they are in their pursuit of yes or in their pursuit of their goal. And um, I think it's really interesting because if you look at our CEO, he's an ex-cricketer at a really elite level. We've put someone in um, to help with BD in the US, elite rugby player. Like it's that, uh, and it's not just sport, but it's just a really good example of when you have been at an elite level in sport, you have to continue if you want to play at that level no is not an answer. Not meeting the certain target, not an option. You drop from the team. So it's kind of that, I, I like that um, analogy because it's it's similar. So that's where I'd say, is it innate? It is in some people. Can it be taught and built? I do believe it can. Um, as long as the people around you are leading by example and showing people how. So they are coming up to the business and even to their fellow team members with solutions, not problems. So, and that's something I always try and teach my team, like to focus on positivity, but also just solution-based conversations. So, okay, that's a really interesting challenge. Let's now not focus on that. We know about it. Let's focus on the solution. Moving to rapid growth, um, now all of a sudden, you know, you have those first couple yeses, um, you've proven that you have a product that people love, um, you have that product market fit, and now it starts taking off. And this usually happens uh, in a way that even though you've planned for, it kind of goes gangbusters, and sometimes it's hard to keep pace. Talk to me about what happens when a company really starts to fly and is in that period of rapid growth. What are some of the things that you do to both maintain and enable that? And maybe pick that up from a team perspective. How do you get the team both ready for this growth and how do you get people in the building fast enough to be part of this rocket ship ride? Yeah, I think that's one I'm still learning. I I think because when growth is so rapid and sometimes comes in forms and in areas of the world that you're not necessarily expecting, you're not always planning for it as you would if there was more, uh, there was a a pattern to the growth. So that's one of the biggest challenges um, is, you know, best laid plans (laughs) uh, going out the window. And I think from a team perspective and a culture perspective, that can be frustrating and, and very, put a lot of pressure on the team. So the the thing, how I would answer that is um, there's things you cannot control, help or plan for that happen. But the fundamental basis and foundation in which you lay your people and culture strategy and the key people you place in each region are absolutely integral to that rapid growth plan succeeding, regardless of things 
going or not going to plan. So putting the right people in the right uh, senior roles around the world uh, and also philosophically laying the foundation with these are our values, this is how we actually give feedback and demonstrating that when things are tough and you give us that feedback, we act on it. Mm. And so now the next stage would be continuous growth. And some people would argue that temperamentally, people are either predisposed to be part of that rapid growth and, you know, they're the ones who are thinking about next horizon. They love that fast pace. They actually love the curly cues that get, you know, sent in uh, from left field. When you go into continuous growth, that's a little bit more of maintenance mode. Sure, that's still growth and businesses need to continue to go upward, but that requires possibly a different skill set and a different temperament. How do you think about how you transition either a person or a team from rapid growth to continuous growth? Does this require a reskilling or does this require new talent onto the team? And how do you, how do you um, juggle these, these different needs at different times? I think that's a matter of a bit of both. Um, in terms of you need the people with the history and the passion to actually educate other people as you go through the continuous growth. You also, though, need people who have experienced a phase of continuous growth and can provide guidance um, and support to those who haven't. The thing I would say that's key is the balance and the percentage of what you have needs to shift up. So just like I mentioned earlier in that super like amped up startup phase, you need a much higher percentage of people who've who've been there done that with that phase. The people if you've got continuous growth people jumping into that phase, it, it just won't work. But if you have a higher balance of people that are startup um, with a couple of people who are continuous growth, that can actually work really well. And on the sa- on the flip side, exactly the same when you move into continuous growth. As long as you have, I believe, the lion's share of people who are personality, you know, and constitution-wise made up for that phase, plus have the expertise to guide a business through that phase, but you still have some of that you know, really integral agility um, and and passion and ways of thinking at thing and looking at things really f- flexibly. I think that will be a key to success. If you're serious about growing your business, then talk to an ANZ business banker today about ANZ's One Day Business Growth Seminars. The free seminars are a unique initiative with the Centre for Business Growth at the University of South Australia. The seminars are perfect for business owners looking to grow, but unsure how to progress to the next level. And they're open to both ANZ customers and non-ANZ customers. To find out more, talk to an ANZ business banker or visit anz.com forward slash business growth. That's anz.com forward slash business growth. This is Rachel Newman on the ANZ Growth Podcast with the very clever Jane Martino from Unlocked. Jane, we've been talking about growth, and I want to uh, pick it up a bit from the micro level. So growth really is about acquiring new customers 
and getting your existing customers to stay longer and buy more of your products. Given that you've had a couple goes at this now with the various businesses that you've built, what are some you know, tricks that you've used to achieve this high growth, um, you know, rapid growth through customer acquisition uh, or through customer retention? I think the number one thing I would say is really understanding what you do and what your brand stands for and being really, really clear to the market about that. And I guess what's interesting for me is I've had a combination of bringing commercial businesses to market, but also in terms of a not-for-profit, growing that to really 4% of the population using that regularly, which is a huge number. Um, and what I, what that's proven to me is it actually doesn't matter whether it's a commercial business, a not-for-profit, um, whether it's a client that I used to have at the agency where clients actually came to me to ask them to help them grow their businesses and their customer base. And that was, so it's something I've always been passionate in and believed in that it is key to the business is promoting what you do and your brand in a way that is really clear and people will understand quickly because then adoption happens quite naturally and organically. And all of a sudden you have uh, referrers, mm. human referrers, and that is actually what leads to the most rapid amount of growth possible. But it, that will only happen, and you think about things that you talk about and you refer people to, What 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 is that? Well, it's always things that are meaningful to you and that you understand. You know, you understand them, you believe in them, they're meaningful to you, so you pass it on to people you care about. So, I know it sounds really simple, but if you get that right in terms of how you articulate what you do and why it's meaningful for people and you build a really strong brand around that, like there's just no stopping growth in my opinion. Yeah. And I I think that you're absolutely right uh, in that when you unlock that uh, that love and a passion for a product, not only do you get customers for life, but you get them to be the marketers on your behalf and a very powerful growth vector through your through your uh, most loyal customers. And I think you taught you also really control the sentiment around your brand and how people refer as well. So if I look at Smiling Mind, we don't have and haven't had marketing budget, you know, for that organization being a not-for-profit. So we had to get that right because the sentiment and how people speak around our brand um, and how that spreads was solely reliant on that. So we had to be really sure around what that brand stood for and the why to make sure that it spread in the way that we wanted and needed it to. So Jane, when we talk about the fourth stages of growth, we actually have left off the fifth one, which is when you successfully exit your business. And there are a number of ways in which you can exit. And you're one of those rare gems in Australia who've not exited one business, but two. So you sold Undertow in 2009 and then Shout for Good in 2015 to the ANZ Bank. Talk to me a little bit about what that's like when you birth a baby, you nurture and grow it, and then you set it free to another set of parents to take it on. Tell me a little bit about the experience of selling your companies? Yeah, I think it's very different for different people, but I've always been someone who I love 
bringing ideas into the world and building them up. And then also finding them a really great home and new set of parents with, without any ego to say there may be better parents in the world than me. Um, so yeah, I always begin with the end in mind. So for me, I think for some entrepreneurs, it's very hard to let go. For me, it's more about, well, if I grow this and get a great result and it goes to a better home, that also then gives me the capital, the freedom to go on and do that again and do it differently this time. So for me, the feeling is um, a big amount of excitement and freedom because if I look at Shout uh, and what ANZ's been able to do with that business, it's super exciting. You know, they've been able to embed it into all of their transaction platforms. Um, They've created a free of charge way for people to give to charity. And they've also created a a mobile uh, Shout Blade, which is now at events, you can just tap and donate. So, like talk about enablement. Um, and that's super exciting for me to actually see that happen. Um, so for, for me, that's that's the emotion and that's the why. And I think that um, people should be really, you know, starting out a business and understand what an exit might look like. And even then, if they have an opportunity and they decide not to, and that they're still the best parent, that's that's great too. But you've always then considered your options. And I just think as an entrepreneur uh, and someone running a business, you should always be thinking about the best outcome for your business and for your shareholders. And um, that's the best way to approach any part of those stages of growth, not just the exit, but from very early stage startup right to the end. Well, Jane, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the ANZ Growth Podcast today. If you could leave listeners with one nugget of gold, one piece of wisdom before you go, or maybe even a cautionary tale, what would it be? I think from my perspective as an entrepreneur and someone who's run multiple businesses, it would have to be always listen to your gut. I think if I look at the really great things that I've done in my career and in my businesses, it's when I've done that. And if I look at some of the poor decisions I've made and things that I've done, it's when I haven't. So that would definitely be my number one. And probably coupled with that is feeling uncomfortable. And that that feeling you often have is actually very much part of the journey. So learning to to live with that uh, and kind of embrace it and allow those instincts to come up through that feeling that you have as an entrepreneur. It's like, oh, I'm not sure about this. So that's why it's really important to know that, yes, I'm going to feel uneasy and uncomfortable a lot in this journey. But through that, I'm going to get different feelings, messages and intuition as a leader that I really need to listen to. Um, So then it's a matter of of filtering those. but trusting yourself because you've made the decision and you've stuck your neck out. Um, So, you know, only you can really make the final call. Well, like you said, it's all part of a journey. And thank you so much for sharing your journeys with us today, Jane. Thanks for having me, Rach. And that was the Business Growth Podcast brought to you by ANZ. To find out more or to register for the ANZ Business Growth Program, go to our website, anz.com 
forward slash business growth. That's ANZ.com forward slash business growth. Thanks for listening.